we are running. All right. <clears throat> Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Joshua T. Golden's Trilogy here, Byron of Sidious. And uh, I'd like to welcome you once again to the Storyteller's Corner. For those of you listening on the podcast, obviously you can't see gestures and what have you. But uh, thank you for joining me once again. And we are back with another review for an independent author's work. Um, as many of you, well, I say many, but there's not many of you at this time. But if you are a routine uh, viewer of this channel or listener of the podcast, then you know that I do uh, routine reviews of independent works. Um, I put out, I float out every now and again an offer to do these reviews to uh, members of the various writers forums and groups that I'm a member of on Facebook and uh, on Writers Cafe and other various websites that I'm a member of, uh, basically just discussing literature and the publishing industry. And uh, I got a batch of manuscripts not that long ago that I decided to start reading through to perform reviews. The most recent one was Black Bow, which if you watched that video, then you know I didn't care for that work. Um, but today we're going to be going through the review for uh, Mr. Ty Arthur's Light Dawning. Uh, there is a link below in the description box to its listing on Amazon.com. And uh, I'm changing up the format a little bit in that I, I didn't go through and do notation throughout the entirety of the book. Primarily because, and this has been brought up by several folks who've commented and uh, touched base with me via email and personal mess, uh, private message, that um, while they appreciate the thoroughness of page-by-page -page notes, that it can ultimately kind of lead into spoiler territory which I don't want to do to any of the, uh, the writers who have trusted me with their material to perform the reviews. I don't want to spoil things for their potential readers. So there's a little bit of a change up. I do have some page-by-page, uh, line-by-line notes for the first bit of the book and then kind of a summary, um, a summary impression of the remainder of the story. But let's go ahead and get started. Um, the narrative itself starts on page five. That's where we begin our notations. Um, here we go. The, the first few paragraphs, uh, on the very first page are crisp and efficient, drawing the reader immediately into an environment that is tense and establishing a tone for the setting, if not, uh, if not with vast detailing but a solid opening for this particular story. The page really hammers home the sense of despair, doom, and gloom, and was very well done and executed by Mr. Arthur. Pages 6 and 7. Mr. Arthur firmly takes readers into the non-visual senses and does so quite artfully in this narrative. It's, like I said, very professionally executed, and uh, with with a, a grace to the storytelling technique. So my hat's off to you, Mr. Arthur. Um, we're also getting a little glimpse into the mind of primary protagonist, Murr, 
uh, slowly done, but with skill and finesse. Page seven, another positive. The brutality shown in this sequence, uh, sequences on this page uh, is visceral, but handled deftly and quickly without coming across as forced or uh, grotesque in nature or um, as if it's trying too hard. It was kind of rolled right down the middle, which is precisely where it needs to be. So once again, excellently done. Uh, on page eight, about three quarters of the way down, a very minor sting, um, quote, was dead and had never existed in the first place. This is a little redundant, but could be fixed with or instead of and. It's a very easy fix. Page nine, I'm a little disappointed in the tired evil empire slash soldiers are over the top dynamic, but at the very least, Mr. Arthur handles it very well in terms of his style and mechanics of writing. So while it is kind of a tired trope and mechanism, it's executed quite well. End of chapter on page 10. Page 11. Mr. Arthur's introduction of Tala and her instance of trauma is handled superbly, using mostly inference and avoiding over-the-top gratuity to convey the awfulness of the violent act being perpetrated upon her. However, and I am not alone here, I'm sure, Using rape as the primary catalyst for a female character's development or awakening has become trite in genre fiction, a easy out, as it were. Pages 13 and 14, we've kind of got a mixed uh, message, mixed bag here on this one. The Beast Birth with Tala. The otherworldly creature that comes into being here is constructed in a very Lovecraftian way, in terms of the actual word choice a creation of the void. A solid bit of writing here. There are shades of homage, however, uh, paid to Mordred from the Dark Tower in terms of its spider-like form, with a sousance of the shadow baby thing from George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire books, birthed by Melisandre. Now, average readers of fantasy may not necessarily be uh, broadly familiar with Mordred from the Dark Tower series, but I am a fan of that particular series and I've read through it numerous times. Um, and anyone who has read the uh, Song of Ice and Fire novels, which is a vast number of people, um, will likely draw similar parallels to this creature. So again, kind of an up, kind of a down. Well executed, but we, we've been here before. Pages 16 and 17. Uh, the missionary, Father Eret, is introduced here, and readers are treated to a wonderfully thorough peek into his mind and character motivations. A cruel and calculating zealot he is, unfortunately a little wooden in the redundancy of his thoughts. Page 17 is particularly rife with ham-fisting, leaving one with a sense of, okay, we get it, can we move on now? And given the previous tie to Melisandre that I referenced, it should be noted here that Eret reads a lot like a male version of her. Pages 19 and 20, Introduction to Recruit Fenton. A fair intro to this character, with really only one down moment, the clear use of light and dark for the purposes of religious establishment. 
um, but again, it's handled rather well. So while it may come across as a down point, it's really not too bad if it's handled properly and with skill, which it has been here in the case of Mr. Arthur's work. Page 21, The Basement, with myrrh once more. Mr. Arthur cunningly expands the space here with the exit of the Freedom Fighters, while retaining the sense of claustrophobia by way of Murr's reassessment of the remaining survivors and the fact that they may well starve to death if they stay hidden too long. The last paragraph of this page, unfortunately, kind of rehashes the same tread uh, of the shadow thing inside of Murr and his worries over it. It's a minor redundancy, but it does take me a little out of the story. Page 22. Mr. Arthur sculpts tension into an artistic and fabulous edge with the crash down of knights into the storefront and the subsequent, uh, subsequent hasty exit of the refugees. Very well done. Page 24. Now this was a particularly high point for me in terms of this, partic this storytelling uh, effort. It's a small thing, sure, but it's a tremendous detail that Mr. Arthur employs in the last paragraph of this page, when he has Murr slip and fall off of the, on the roof that he's hiding out on as the knights draw near below. The infallible hero is a tiresome thing indeed, and having this tiny, very human moment in this character was superbly executed and helps anchor the reader to Murr as a protagonist, as somebody who we can, as readers, relate to. Because he is, he is a protagonist, and he is ostensibly the hero of our tale in this passage or in this section. But he's not perfect. He is flawed, and that is essential to keeping readers engaged. So, excellently done. Uh, page 26. Here we come to a rare misstep in Mr. Arthur's otherwise well-written work. The entirety of this page reads as repetitive, with nearly every line after the first couple of sentences reading as little more than a rewording of those first two lines. This is exceptionally notable because it comes to us as more mood and tone establishment, which at this juncture is entirely unnecessary. Um, page 29, midway down. Quote, where he, she could hide her son away from the horrors of Sestia. Tala. Mr. Arthur uses a clever bit of word choice here that is more powerful than anything else in this chapter thus far, to give readers a sense of how warped this woman's mind is. This young woman is carrying a, the corpse of a demonic shadow spider baby thing that was conceived and then born in minutes following her own rape, slaughtered several armed knights, wounded her in its death panic, and yet she feels it needs hiding from the horrors around it. This is rather craftily done, and you definitely need to put a feather in your cap, Mr. Arthur, for this bit of wordplay. Um, page 30, The Obelisk. It's an intriguing, uh, an intriguing weapon of war and invasion. Uh, giant machine and transport serving as both weapon and troop carry. Uh, however, it seems to defy logic that its use was halted after the initial carnage, or at least at this juncture. One might think, well, why didn't they just keep using it? 
but I would recommend that anyone immediately thinking that continue reading. Um, the remainder. <clears throat> in an effort to be a little less long-winded in these reviews, I've opted to do, uh, like I said earlier, fewer of those line-by-line -line notes. Helps avoid spoilers for colleagues. Mr. Arthur's work is professional in quality, and as one could only hope, his characters seem to be on a healthy growth curve, though a small handful of readers familiar with Jackie Estacado, uh, the main character of the comic book series The Darkness, uh, would undoubtedly draw lines of similarity to the character of Murr. Not many folks would draw that similarity, mind you. I just happen to be a huge nerd, so I've got a slight edge in that department. The writing is mechanically sound, and Mr. Arthur's technique is well executed, if a touch heavy-handed. If it were to be personified, it would be the eyeliner-wearing goth boy who obsesses over the works of Edgar Allan Poe and talks about how life is brutal and meaningless despite being raised in upper-middle-class suburbia, so you just want to slap the little gob shite and tell him to go back to college and stop working at Hot Topic. It's not bad, but it gets to be a bit overplayed. Casterly, though. Great to see a character who initially I might have written off as unimportant grow into such a vital role throughout this narrative. Superbly done. Light Dawning is a superior work compared to most of the titles that have crossed my inbox recently and is certainly recommended to fans of the, quote, grimdark tone of science fiction and fantasy titles. I was not shocked to discover upon conclusion that this tale is the opener for a series, though, and this did negatively affect the book's overall narrative, slightly. Despite good technique, the novel feels throughout like one long, overdrawn introduction. I won't personally be investing more time in this series going forward, but not because of poor quality. Never think it. Um, in this instance, it's a matter of time constraints and the heavy-handedness of tone not being up to my personal tastes, and it's not my cup of tea. However, I would say that for fans of this style of writing and narrative, I can honestly say that you may well have a series to look forward to in this, starting with Light Dawning by Ty Arthur, which gets a well-deserved 7 out of 10 from this particular reader. There is a link in the description box uh, below the video, or if you're listening on the podcast, there is, a description in, or there is a link in the description box to the Amazon page listing for Light Dawning by Mr. Arthur. Uh, and if you are so inclined, and it would be greatly appreciated, there's also a link below to yours truly's Patreon page. Um, if you choose to be a supporter of the Storyteller's Corner or any of my narrative efforts in the genres of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, then uh, I, would, I would ask that you feel free to click the link below to take you to my Patreon page so that you as well can become a supporter. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry about that manners, uh, so that you can uh, become a supporter of this program and of my written works and efforts. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again. I ask that you take care of yourselves, and as always, keep reading.